Hi everyone and welcome to Portal to the Paranormal. My name is Sarah and you're watching Thriller Thursday. Tonight, well this evening should I say, we are chatting with a very intelligent fellow from the paranormal world. Our guest is currently studying a PhD at Robert Gordon University, exploring media and practices of the modern paranormal groups. He is the creator of the Great British and the Great American Ghost Tours, known for his Ghost Hunter, sorry, Ghost Hunt website and a regular contributor to the Ghost Chronicles International Radio Show. Also, might I, uh, might I say, he is a huge Ghostbusters fan, but we'll tell you more about that later. Also, those of you watching at home, if you would like to uh, if, ask Dylan... Oh, ask a question write them in the comments and we will we will read them out when possible so we would like to welcome everyone mr dylan jones i'm just going to add him to stream hi hi how are you oh i'm excited to have you really honored to have you actually yeah the intelligent yeah. bloke that you mentioned couldn't make it so uh i'll have to follow him <laughs> Well, well, you got far more brain than I have. I barely remember my name sometimes. Jack, you can join the club on that one. Some sometimes I barely string a sentence together. <laughs> well, it's fabulous to have you on our show. I really appreciate it. I have got a big list of questions here. I love the old highlighters, as you can see. You okay to answer some? Go for it. Let's see if it's okay. as painless as possible. Alrighty then. So uh, the 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 famous question of all, which is the question that you you will never get this because you know you, no one's ever asked you this question. It is. Let's start at the very beginning, shall we? And uh, what interested you in the paranormal? How did it all begin for you, Dylan? Right. Well, let's go back to when I was a, a very young boy, oh, about 20, 22 years ago. Um, a bit bit more than that. Um, I actually there was two two things that happened during my childhood which really sort of were, were of great importance to me in terms of relation to the paranormal the first was um an anomalous experience i had when i was about seven eight years old um my uncle had died um shortly after uh, my seventh birthday and um we, you know, we were incredibly close i looked up to him he was a, he was a policeman he was a dog handler somebody that were very close to in the family um, and, you know, his death hit me hard. And I woke up uh, in the middle of the night some months later and could have sworn I saw him standing in the bedroom doorway and then slowly fading away. And at that point, I called for my mum. So that, that was the first thing. Um, now, that can be explained. You know, there are psychological explanations. There's hypnagogic and hypnopompic experiences uh, when you're going to sleep or waking up from a dreamlike state. And that's what could explain it so I'm, I'm open-minded as to as to what that cause could be so that was the first thing and the second thing was uh late 1984 when uh, i was nine years old there were these posters of uh, a red circle with a line through it and what looked like a ghost in it on bus stops and i was <laughs> like hey, what's, what, what's this and then seeing the adverts on tv and like on, on packs of shreddies that you know ghostbusters was coming out and so I pestered my mum for months to go and, you know, to take me to see this at the cinema. And it was going to see it. I can still vividly remember that day, going to watch it. 
and being in the cinema and when the theme soon started everybody in the cinema was singing along to Ray Parker Jr's song and it was all of that and I was absolutely that, that's it I was absolutely hooked and it was from there that I was like oh Ghostbusters I, I'm just fascinated so I started asking people uh, firstly you know, family whether they'd had experiences and from that, my mum told me about an experience that she had when she was about 17 years old. And that's what really got me into it all. So it was the two formative experiences, the possibly paranormal one and the media one. And so that was the start of where everything has led to today. It's been an inspiration, hasn't it, Ghostbusters, for many a ghost hunter. Hence mm. my tattoo. <laughs> You've gone one step further than I am braver to I do. I've never got a tattoo. Oh, well, maybe you should if you love them so much. Mm. <laughs> you can get them put across your heart, maybe. <laughs> I love the Ghostbusters. Uh, could you please tell us more about your PhD? Are you still studying or have you finished studying? Uh, but the PhD, um, it, it's, I, mean, I, I, know, I don't know how much people understand about what, what happens when you do a PhD. Um, so when you go to university, the first time you do your degree, you, you, you do have your love, lots of lectures and you, you, know, you, you do your your, your modules and you you end up writing a dissertation and depending on the subject area that you're doing it could be between three and ten thousand words uh, and from there you get obviously you get your degree well I got my degree in media production uh, from Derby in 2016 um, and I left it a few years to decide do I want to take the next step go and take the step on to doing a PhD because PhD um, it's a philosophy philosophy doctorate and it's about an independent piece of research so you have supervisors um, you choose the sub subject the area that you want to specialize in and the project that you want to do and then it's up to you you have to go ahead you have to design it you have to research it um, and I'm I decided to start mine two years ago now you have two options do you do it full-time which takes three years you do it part-time, which I have to do because I have a job. Uh, I'm doing it over six years. Um, so it's more of a marathon than a sprint. Now, I know I have to write about 100,000 words um, about my independent research project. So I spent a lot of time thinking about what project I wanted to look at. What was it I was going to study? So I went back to my uh, media production uh, dissertation, which was um, the media portrayal uh, of scientific practice in paranormal programs um, and I really wanted to take that further and go on to the next level um, so the difference between like 4,000 word dissertation and 100,000 word thesis is quite a lot as you can imagine um, so it's about you know the first two years has been what they call a literature review so reading lots and lots of books about the things that I'm exploring. So I'm looking at things like media influence. I'm looking at professionalism. I'm looking at uh, ethnography, which is the kind of process that I'm actually going through, which is ethnography is a, a, a method of studying something. So it's basically spending time with lots of people, observing them, interviewing them, um, looking at content analysis, which is viewing lots of media, reading lots of books about ghost hunting and ghost hunters, look, listening to um, any form of media that's like podcasts, um, reading magazines, all those kinds of things, studying the content of them, um, and then seeing whether or not there's any influence between that and the people who go ghost hunting. Are you so two more... years of reading about all of that. 
So I've already read hundreds of books. I've written 40,000 words over that period alone. Um, now the next two years is what for me is the really interesting bit is the actual field studies where I'm actually going out, spending time with ghost hunting groups, understanding, getting them to tell me what it is that they're doing, why they're doing it, uh, and getting to a real understanding and appreciation of why they do what they do, how will they do what they do. Um, and then the next two years after that is having gathered that data, is interpreting the data and understanding it and seeing what findings I've got from that. So that's that's the PhD. As explained as briefly as possible. <laughs> and then hopefully turning it into a book. Oh, yeah, well, about all what you've learned and everything. Mm. Are you, is it all about parascience or is it more about, is it also about everything? The Victorian methods, the like, the, the psychic medium side of things? Um, I'm not, um, I, I'm studying media effects. So what media, um, you for example are consuming right. and is that influencing in any way what you do when you do go when you go investigating oh, okay so i'm not i'm not trying to prove that ghosts exist no nope. um that's if you went to a university and said i want to prove that ghosts exist or i want to prove that they don't exist they're not going to actually probably give you much assistance in that way because it's it's too big a question um, it, it's 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 just huge. So what they want to do is take a particular subject area. Um, so like if you said you wanted to do EVP, which a colleague of mine, Anne Winsper, she did electronic voice phenomena, but yeah. she looked at the psychological aspect of it. So yeah. from the psychologist's point of view, what is there about EVP? So she got her doctorate uh, last year. Um, so it, it's uh, mine is literally about looking at media effects and the way investigators behave and practice what they do when they go ghost hunting. Okay. Oh. Not to say it's right or wrong. That's not no. what I'm doing. I'm no. understanding what it is they're doing yeah. and why. I guess it helps as well with having experiences yourself. But are you more sceptical? Do you think the mind is a wonderful thing and can just create that, that veil of illusion and make you think and feel what you want to think and feel? I am very, very open-minded. Um, oh, when we were at, I mean, obviously I, I met you a few weeks ago when we were at, um, the festival of the unexplained at Bosworth, yeah. which was a great weekend. And I, for the first time I met a lovely guy called Neil Story, who was their historian. And he said something to me, which I thought was quite profound was that academics and scientists have not been kind to the ghost hunting community. They certainly haven't been kind to a lot of parapsychologists over the years, you know, parapsychologists, we've had some real stick. We've had some real high level criticism and you know some of it has been necessary and i agree with it but there's been others which you think well you know that that isn't fair we haven't been given a fair crack of the whip so i'm very open minded when it comes to people's experiences i've had one i don't know whether it's paranormal or not but i've met a lot of other people who i consider to be very credible witnesses um very seem very tr trustworthy and honest and they've had experiences and those experiences deserve to be um understood examined and investigated what is your experience with psychic mediums then do you feel sometimes they're right on the ball or do you feel that they can read you good question um 
I haven't met one yet that I have been impressed with. Um, and there's a number of reasons why. The first one I ever really came across, I was doing it, I was, a, I was about 18, 19 years old, um, doing an investigation at a pub uh, near Cardiff. And this medium was sat down and she was saying about, oh, I can feel the energy and that there's, there's a draft, you know, I can feel the, the presence. And I was like, yeah, yeah, but you do know that there's a broken window behind you and I can, I can feel the draft coming in. And it was like, oh, um, um, oh. you know, and I've, I've come across several over the years um, and there's nothing that has been said where it hasn't been. You could say it was cold reading. Um, so it's very difficult as well, because I get a lot of family and friends saying to me, oh, we went to a medium. What do you think about them? And I said, well, you need to look at the methodology that they're using. Um, a lot of the things they say are generalistic. Um you, you need to come back with the data of what they've actually said. So if I was going to go to a medium, I'd want a, a full recording of what was said verbatim so I can go through it and see whether or not when you mark it, that was totally wrong, partially accurate, completely accurate, no way of knowing. And then looking to see whether or not statistically they've actually scored above the level of chance. And of course, it's ruling out have they got that information through other means and today mm. with the way that social media is it's very easy to find out something about somebody sorry it's my dog just choking thinks we <laughs> cough sorry i thought there was something from the other side then no no it's not paranormal <laughs> well, i might have to scrap my next question actually mm. because i was going to ask you um you've been in the police force you was a police officer for over 30 years uh, and 17. Se 17 17 years yeah oh i've got that wrong Don't sorry. <laughs> you're not that old are you no, i feel it but i'm not <laughs> I don't know where I copied that from. Sorry. Um, so I was going to ask you, there, there is uh, rumours and things like that, that the police, the police do use psychic mediums in investigations to try and track down and solve cases. Is that true in your knowledge? No. Yeah. I've never, certainly in the force that I was in, I was um, never aware of any colleague of mine, and I certainly never did it, approach um, a psychic or a medium for help. Now, I'm not saying that that's not the case for other forces or other officers. In my experience, never. Um, no. It certainly wouldn't be something that would be admissible in court. Um, so there are people who claim that, oh, I'm a medium. Like, you know, I've seen it online. I'm a medium and I yeah. know that I've been, I've been asked. I've got no way of verifying that other than what they're saying, other than their word. Um, but I, I have no personal direct knowledge of that happening. And you might not be able to answer the second question either. Is anything while you was a police officer any creepy cases that you know attend like UFOs or you know, beam yes. me up, body? Re really? Oh, good, yep. good detail, please yep. tell. Yeah, um, well, there were a few actually. Um, now I was stationed in the in the South Wales Valleys. Um, that's where I spent most of my service, and one of the police stations on our patch, actually two of them, the one I was stationed in and the one further up the valley both had a reputation for being haunted. And the station I was in, Bargoid, was um, a very old police station. Um, and on one or two occasions, colleagues did report seeing as if a shadow would walk past one of the doors uh, during the night. Now, I never saw anything, but I know a couple of colleagues have said that they did. Now, at Pontlotten Police Station, which was 
um, a very old station and used to have cells and a courtroom on it. And apparently that was where the last person to be hanged in Wales was taken from down to Cardiff to be hung. And a lot of the police officers would not go in there after dark because they heard footsteps um, upstairs walking around. And yeah, you know, we're talking, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm five foot eight, you know, I'm talking about big burly police officers who are six foot six, you know, and, and too frightened to go in. <laughs> Um, but there are other stories. I can remember being on a morning shift once, sat at the briefing table at about quarter to seven, the radio going off and the control room saying that a local um, resident had phoned 999 because he, he'd sat up in bed and saw a figure walk through his bedroom wall, cross the bedroom in front of him at the bottom of the bed and disappear through the other wall. Oh, my goodness. So, <laughs> you know, when he thought, who do I call? <laughs> his first thought was oh the police will come and sort that out i asked my sarge sarge can i go and he was like no no you're not going no come on please no that so would have been some interesting questioning wouldn't it but there are I, you know i'm aware of a, a number of other examples of where police officers on duty had seen things when they were out on patrol like um there's a, a report of a, a figure um, possibly a, what looks like a monk on uh, the road towards Abergavenny in South Wales that I know motorists had seen and two police officers reported seeing it a number of years ago. Um, and two British Transport Police officers also reported personally to me that they had seen uh, a figure crossing the dual carriageway um, not far from Caerphilly in South Wales when they were on a night shift. So, wow. you know, there, there are lots of cases out there. Oh, wow. That would be amazing, especially when several people have seen it as well. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the only thing I ever saw, and that was due to tiredness, was, you know, when you're working nights, things do look like they're moving uh, and they're not. <laughs> but it's, that's what it looks like. Oh, gosh. It's amazing. So uh, another question I'd like to ask you is about the Great British Ghost Tour and the Great American Ghost, Ghost Tour. Uh can you please enlighten our viewers and myself? I did have a little butchers at that and it was amazing. It was like all you need to know about the areas A to Z and things like that. You've even got vampires and flipping werewolves on there and white ladies and you just click on it and it tells you all sorts. And oh, but you tell the viewers because I'd like them to know. Out of your well, I mean, that is a bit of a sort of a, a passion project for me and I, and sadly i haven't updated either of them for about 18 months two years because this thing called phd is getting in the way of it um oh. but back in uh, you know I've, I've always had a fascination for um history and hauntings and the culture of you know, that we've got in the uk we've got a fantastic haunted heritage to to be proud of now whether you believe in ghosts or not it doesn't matter the fact is that we've got this heritage and you know when i was growing up i used to read so many ghost books i mean you can't you can see a few behind me yeah but i've got 1500 around me in the office Jeez. Of ghost stories and ghost books from all over the world that's one of the things i've collected since childhood um so what i decided to do one day was that oh i'll i'll start a website um, and the reason being was that when i um, back in uh I, I got injured when i was on duty and um, back in about 2009, the injury really started to cause some serious problems for me. So I was I was forced to take probably five or six months off when I because it started off I couldn't walk. So what else was I going to do? So I thought 
this would be a good time to just take my mind off the injury and play all my efforts into creating what turned out to be the Great British Ghost Tour. So it's literally a um, virtual tour around all different uh, counties in the United Kingdom and gives you a flavour of all the different types of phenomena that uh, that are out there that you can places you can go and visit i've always tried to reference back to the source material so it'll a, a brief description about what's been seen or heard but then you know if it's in one of peter underwood's books go and read that for the full story or go and look out at um, anthony hippersy cox's haunted britain or richard jones's books or, or whoever the authors are to go and check them out because you can't be picking up one of the books and reading through it but it's enough just to give you a bit of a flavor to want to find more um and then sort of a few years down the line from starting that one i thought well i'll do an american one because i quite like the sort of the way the americans have a take on their haunted heritage there are similarities to ours because of obviously you know america was created from people from from europe settling there and we took a lot of our things out there and it, it um you know, they, they were founded in America, but they've got their own differences as well. You know, they've got their crybaby bridges and things like that. So that was a, you know, the Great American Ghost Tour was was formed from that. And, you know, it's been fun in the past updating them, but it's like anything else. Once you start something, it's a big commitment. And sadly, it's not something I've been able to keep up with. I've had to put it on ice yeah. you know, while I'm doing the PhD because I, I literally have not got the time to be able to devote to it. So you haven't explored any of these places. Well, would you like to explore some of these places personally? Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, if I won the lottery tomorrow, I'd be I'd be off. I'd be that's what I would be doing. Well, I don't know how far Wales is from Southampton, but when we, we do Margram Castle, you're very welcome to come on some of our investigations and, you know, you might be able to fulfil your dreams and write about yeah. them. Actually, you well, could do some I, studying with us as well, couldn't you? Yeah, I mean, uh, Margram is fantastic. It's a yeah. brilliant place. Have you been? Yeah, a few times. Yeah, it's, it's lovely. It's incredible. The is amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it, it's one of those things you think, my goodness, what, what did this place actually look like? If it hadn't caught fire, you know, yeah. it would have been absolutely incredible. Yeah. It's just a shame it's like an empty shell inside. Mm. I would love to have seen it with all the fixtures and fittings. Yeah. And yeah, it would have been beautiful. Well, it is beautiful, but, mm. you know, it's extra beautiful when it's got it all there, isn't it? Oh, it's incredible. Oh, oh. Ghost Hunter website. The Ghost Hunter website, should I say? Uh, mm -hmm. That was Steve, Anne, and James, and yourself. Did you guys create this? It's like a, all you need to know about ghost hunting, kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it, again, it, it's something that we, you know, we, we started, and um, a lot of the content is as a result of what Steve has put together, um, and it was based very much around um, his book, Ghostology, which is give it a quick plug. I saw him on your documentary. Is that the guy with the yeah. glasses, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Ghostology is actually, there's a revised edition, which has oh. just come out. Um, and, you know, it was a, an idea about just a bit more of a background as to the things that, that we do. Um, and tells you a little bit about us. There's some links there, equipment, investigation. So you guys, yeah. did you investigate together? And parascience. 
Yeah, That's Parascience was founded uh, about 30 years ago by Steve Parsons and Anne Winsper. Um, Anne, who I mentioned earlier, she's just got her PhD, um, you know, doctor. Um, so she got psychology and study of EVP. Um, Steve is currently getting towards the end of his PhD. Um, he's uh, a physicist and he's been looking at uh, infrasound in haunted locations. Um, and I, you know, they're, they're, they're two wonderful people. They're very good friends. They're good colleagues. Um, they've done some fascinating work. Um, and, you know, I can't, I can't really vouch for them, high, you know, highly enough, because, especially Ghostology as a, as a book. That's really one of the best books that you can go to as, uh, you know, about ghost hunting. Infrasound, in layman's terms, is that mm. when you like create a EVP, should I say, and you play it back on the computer, or you study the sound wet or the sound waves? I'm only guessing. No, infrasound is. Um, I hope I'm getting this right now because I'm not a physicist. Okay. <laughs> you know, my, my my background is is is, is you know, media, sociology, anthropology side of things. Uh, Anne's is psychology. Steve's is physics. So you yeah. know, he knows everything about measuring an equipment and everything based around physics and infrasound is his baby. So my understanding infrasound is below our range of hearing. So ultrasound is above, infrasound is below right. and um, it has some rather interesting effects. Now it can occur naturally and man-made. So uh, I think the way Steve explained to me the once, you know when you're driving along in the car and you sat there, pleasant drive, one of the kids in the back opens the window yeah, and you get that <laughs> sound in the back, yeah. and you're like, "Oh, wipe the window up." That is infrasound. That's making you feel very uncomfortable, um, and it occurs naturally and man-made. So, if you're in a building, it could be air moving down a corridor. You step into a room, and you go, "Oh, I don't like it in here. I feel yeah. uncomfortable." Oh, what's, what's what's causing that? That could be infrasound. Now, Steve has done experiments at Mary King's Close with equipment and looking at things and finding places where perhaps mediums or psychics were going in saying they were picking up on a feeling, a feeling of, un of not feeling right or uncomfortable. And that's where the areas of infrasound were. So was the medium picking up on infrasound because they're more sensitive to it or were they picking up on ghosts? Well, there's also the electric magnetic force, which we use all the time on the K2 meters. And we've yeah. been in graveyards and places where it wouldn't be any electricity. So would that be also something that they would be studying, that kind of thing? They would. But if you read this... <laughs> that would explain everything. <laughs> which brings me on to one of the most interesting things about why I'm studying the ghost hunters. Mm -hmm. Because they don't read. No, we don't. No, we just go out there and do it. <laughs> Which is fascinating because how do you learn to do it if you're just going and doing it and not finding out what people have done before you? Oh, but learning is doing as well. Yeah, but if people have already done it um... and they can tell you that, you know, if I were to ask you the K2 meter, okay, yep, does it measure amplitude or frequency? I don't know. I know if you drill for a wall and, you know, you put it up to like some sort of electrical cable and you, you're, you're a bit buggered if you drill through the wall, if the lights are coming on red. Yeah. <laughs> That's about it. But I'm going to play devil's advocate now. I'm going to be really naughty. And 
because it's my job basically is it okay yeah but if you don't know how it works why are you using it oh no but i know that it surrounds it picks up electric magnetic force and i assume that's something electrical and if you go near it with like a phone or something with a battery it'll the lights will go up but why would you use it in ghost hunting because apparently um what i've learned from ghostbusters is that that they pick it up they usually they drain all your batteries they use it as energy they use it as energy to to be able to move stuff and communicate and talk to us says who says and actually you can have a conversation with ghosts on a k2 meter is the other Excuse me. If you ask it to light it up to red or amber, and then say you've got a cat ball the other side or like a REM pod, and ask it to switch switcheroo on each one, that has happened. And you can't, it's hard to explain that. So, can you go to the K2? Um, are you a male? Go to the K2 or go to the REM pod and it'll light up. So, it's it's all very, very strange. So, how do you know it's a ghost? Oh, I've asked it. I've shouted out. I said, Are you a ghost? So- if you think the ghosts exist, do you think that telepathy exists? Hmm. Telepathy. So what's to say that you're not causing the EMF meter to fluctuate or the REM pod to go off? Oh, we're getting into a whole different ball game now. Haven't I got to use 20% of my brain to do something like that, it, like it, dolphins? This is the point, <laughs> is that when you design an experiment, you have to know how everything works. Oh, okay. And it's like, if somebody says, well, how, do you, how can you prove... Like court of law evidence, how can you prove that's what it is? And this is why a lot of scientists won't listen, is because there's no structure. There's no, there's no, how many times does a, a, a ghost hunting group go back and write up a full report about what they've done? Because one of the things that scientists look to do is replicate or repeat what another scientist has done to see whether or not they've got it right. So if I was to come along six months later and go, Right, um, this group were at Margam. What did they do? I've got no way of knowing. I've got no way of checking what methodology they've used, how they've gathered the data, which brings back to the K2. How do you record the data that you've got? On our, we film it. We, but, we do it on the wash-up. We have witnesses. But that's not recorded anywhere. People physically see it happen. But it's not recorded anywhere. Oh. It's like if you say you're a police officer, right? Uh-huh. And you were wanting to, you know, say you stop somebody who you could smell alcohol on their breath. So you've got the you've got evidence to think, right, okay, they've had a drink. What do they use? They use an intoxilizer meter. So they give the test, it comes back positive, take them back to the police station, you put them on a more accurate machine. So that machine then will tell the officer how much they've had a drink and whether they are over the limit. Okay, so there are a number of stages there. Firstly, you want to know that the officer has done what he's supposed or she is supposed to do. They followed correct procedure. Yeah. The equipment they've used is accurate. So it's been it has to be able to be calibrated. So then if there's anything wrong, every so often the machines are checked calibrated to make sure they're still working you cannot calibrate a k2 meter so if it's at a slight knock that could be giving you all sorts of erroneous readings and you wouldn't know about it yeah um and then of course it's the 
the actual data is stored. So it's everything is recorded. The officer has written up what they've done, when they've done it, it's timed, it's dated, you've got a statement, you've actually got a structure and a record of everything that's been done. So when it goes to court, the court can completely see what stages have been taken and the evidence has been gathered in the correct way and it's all recorded so they can reach a proper conclusion. And that is what, you know, I always say to people, I love it that people go ghost hunting. I think it's fantastic, it's brilliant. The problem is when it comes to actually presenting a case for what they've got, that's where they're falling down. It's because they're not recording what they've done. It's not, and the trouble is we're being critical because we have to be critical. Because yeah, we, I understand that. You know, we want, if they're going to, people are going to present evidence, then it has to be presented in a way that other people, 10 months, 10 years down the line, can still go, ah, I can see what they've done and I've understood why they've done it. Yeah. We have a, a situation at Murley House, which occurs all the time. And these are different guests coming in, in and out. And it does come across a story. We don't influence the story at all about certain names. And the the guests, they pick up on the, uh, a William. Well, I shouldn't really say it out loud. For for example, should I say. And they pick up on, on the same story line and different guests coming in and out. And... Sometimes we think oh, that could be something to do with their psyche, you know. So we do tell our guests that certain people have a certain amount of psychic ability. And it's strange. It's also when we go on these ghost hunts as well, we have a wash up at the end of the day where we tell each other we've all got different groups. It could be like 30 of us and we split them into 10. And some of the evidence that come back, yes, they could have Googled it. But sometimes there's one name or one scenario that has come through and everybody has got the same thing but we've all stayed in our own groups and we haven't exchanged information so it's very interesting when these occurrences do happen mm. and yeah and it's fun as well especially if you see a ghost or something whispers in your ear or touches you yeah. but i do feel like the hype of it all as well the fear factor mm. it, it it gets everybody going as well oh definitely does and i mean yeah. but there are you know there are a number of academics who look at and I'm, and I'm just saying what they've said, um, that what has happened is is that people who go ghost hunting now are just simply legend tripping. They're thrill seeking on a massive scale um, because they're not actually, you know, putting together a, a proper scientific investigation. It's literally, oh, let's turn up on a place it's supposed to be haunted and using all the equipment and just having a scary time. How do you counteract that with what you've done with evidence? I think the ultimate evidence is to see a full-on MFG, really, isn't there? A ghost just stood there waving and smiling at, boom, there you go, I'm here. That is the ultimate. That is a golden flipping chalice right there, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're all seeking. Oh, dear. Okay. Right, this is the biggest question ever, Dylan. Uh you ready for this? I'm ready. Go for it. Okay. Are you are you having are you being troubled by strange noises in the night? Do you experience feelings of dread in your basement or attic? Uh, are you or any of your family members have ever seen a spook, spectre, or a ghost? So, who are you going to call? Me. Oh, Ghostbusters. <laughs> that went really wrong. I'm no actress, am I? Really. <laughs> I've been dying to ask you about this. Oh, right. Okay. 
So we got the Boo TV, which I watched your documentary on as well. And that was presented for the 31st anniversary of our Sony Studios, wasn't it, in Los Angeles? Yep. yep but I would was... like you to tell us the rest of this fabulous, well, awesome achievement, should I say. Thank you. Um, well, uh, you might have guessed that I'm a bit of a Ghostbusters fan. You know, there's some things around, you know, that give it away. Um, yeah, back... In 2019, the um, it was the 35th anniversary of Ghostbusters, and it was decided that there was going to be a, a big celebration in Los Angeles, um, and they asked people, you know, who wants to go? So you know, there were tickets available, um, and they offered, you know, it's a typical sort of like a, a Comic Con. You can have different levels of, of of ticket entry and what you could get for it. So, you know, I, I said to my wife, oh, I'd, I'd love to go, and she was like, look this is what you love, do it. Don't worry about the cost, do it. You work, go. So I'm going to go. And then they said that what things they were looking to do, and they said they were looking to do some things on the paranormal and some, um, the links, because obviously the characters of Vankman, Stance and Spangler were university parapsychologists. That's what yeah. they, That was their job until they got booted out. Um, so I thought, well, I wonder what they're going to do. So... I got in touch with them and said, look, I'm, I'm going to be going to this. What kind of parapsychology things do you want? And they said, well, we haven't got a clue. I said, well, I'm a parapsychologist. I, you know, I, I know we're quite a few people in the field. I, can I do something for you? And they were like, yes, please. So that's when I thought, right, um, let's put the media side to good practice. So I contacted Steve Parsons, uh, Dr. Kieran O'Keefe at New Bucks University, who some of you might know from certain program. Oh yeah, yeah. Most haunted, you know. Yeah, that, that was as was Steve Parsons. Um, yeah, and, wasn't he? Yeah, and then you had uh, Dr. Cal Cooper, who's a parapsychologist at the University of Northampton, who's doing some absolutely fascinating work on something called the Gansfeld experiments. So anybody wants to go and look up that and look up Cal, and you know, brilliant, brilliant stuff. So. I knew that the three of them were influenced when they were younger by the film. Um, so that was the documentary. I decided to call it Back Off Man, I'm a Parapsychologist, which was a little slant on the famous line that Bill Murray says was Back Off Man, I'm a Scientist. Pretty cool. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, the 20-minute the, the documentary is about how Ghostbusters got them to where they are today in terms of how it influenced their research and um, you know, who their favourite Ghostbuster is. You know, and then I presented that at Sony Studios. I was fortunate enough to be put into the one of the two theatres where they actually uh, master all the sound and audio for the movies. So it was actually gorgeous cinema with lots of seats and oh, beautiful! It was just stunning. The sound quality was incredible. So I got to present that twenty minutes um, to an audience, and then answer questions about what it's like for me as a parapsychologist and, and them. And then do a second presentation on the ghosts of Ghostbusters, the fact versus the fiction. So what you're seeing on screen to what it's really like. Um, I got to meet Dan Aykroyd, um, Ernie Hudson. I got to meet uh, Ivan Reitman, which was an absolute pleasure. And it, you know, it's even more poignant now, considering he passed away in February, that I actually got a chance to meet him and say thank 100%. you to him. And we had yeah. a chat, um, you know, got to meet other members of the cast. And it was a absolutely brilliant time got to see the actual ecto one um to be actually touch it and it's like oh my goodness this is like it was a boyhood dream come true and from that 
um, they kept in touch and said, well, as a result, thank you for doing that. So would you like tickets to see the new film, Ghostbusters Afterlife, when that oh, came yeah. so I was like, what? <laughs> but of course, that, that all got delayed, um, yeah. obviously because of COVID. But um, when we knew it was going to come out in November, it was I was absolutely panicking because I knew that the premiere date was the 15th of November. But of course, up until, you know, just before the flight ban was on, so we couldn't fly yeah. to America. But fortunately, it was lifted. And literally on the Monday, they lifted it. And on the Friday, I flew out to New York, had eight nights in New York, went to the premiere, um, you know. And the night before the premiere, one of the one of the greatest experiences I've ever had was that we had a pre-premiere party. There was only 50 of us there. And it was a, a, a bar down in, in Chelsea in New York. And two of the producers turned up. Um, so we were having a lovely chat with them. And then 10 minutes later, in walks Jason Reitman. Jeez. And he spent an hour getting around all of us, having a chat. And he was just so down to earth and so genuine and really wanted us to enjoy what we were going to see the following night. Um, and what was so brilliant was that after the film had finished, we were all in the foyer and people were coming out and then Jason came out and he spoke to a couple of people. And because I was only one of two people from the UK that was there, he recognised us from the night before. He came straight over to me, hand on the shoulder and said, did you enjoy it? And I was like, yes, it was amazing. And he said, thanks so much for taking the trouble to come all the way to New York. And, it, you know, he remembered, which oh. you don't necessarily expect that from somebody like him. But he was a lovely guy. But can I say that I got about six feet away to, from Paul Rudd. Jeez. And he is not as good looking as what people say he is. And he's shorter as well. Well, he's, he's about three foot four. He's <laughs> very, very overweight. Um and it's, there's a lot of makeup and special effects. That, yeah, oh, yeah. He's, not, he's not the most handsome guy in the I world. I can believe it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was great, you know. And, you know, I got to meet McKenna Grace and Logan Kim. Um, it sat quite nicely next to the, the original 80s two movies, didn't it? It did. And did you cry at the end? Because yeah. I did. Yeah, still do. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm a softie at heart. Um, but no, I thought that, they, I think they did what I think the fans wanted. Um, yeah, definitely. And they, and they, they, they can got carry on from that. Do you think there'll be a yeah. fourth one? Yeah. I think so. I think yeah, definitely. definitely. The way it was poised at the end with the lights flashing on the uh, the containment unit, I think definitely. Yeah. The, the legend can live on, can't it? The Ghostbuster yeah. legend can live on. Oh, gosh. Oh, that was amazing. And um, did you go and see the hook and ladder by any chance? Yeah, I wanted to see that when I was in New York, the original. Yeah, it's New York, I mean, as Winston says, I love this town. I mean, it. I it, loved it, it. Yeah, I loved New York. It was great. I went, got around quite a few of the locations. We went to Hook and Ladder. Um, we even found the sort of, you know, you know, went to Dana Barrett's apartment and the church, which Mr. Stapuff stood on, and they've, they've repaired it lovely. Um, we even found the apartment building where Dana is wheeling pushchair in Ghostbusters 2 and down to the street where the pram runs out in front of so is we that, found those locations as well 
Is that like the old Twin Towers that overlooks the park? I went on a tour and they said it was like the old Twin Towers that, that the old, it's in apartments now, but it was shown in the Ghostbusters movie as the apartments for it. Um, sure. the, the, the towers are in the footage, are in, yeah. in the film, but the apartment where Dana lived uh, in the second one is further. It's just um to the right of central park central park yeah yeah it's up there and they sit um, nicely next to each other don't they is that what yeah. we're talking about no no the twin no. towers are down down lower manhattan no they're the, the, the original one twin towers not the, the ones that yeah. got yeah no but yeah. new york is brilliant um, oh, amazing I actually, I actually got to do an investigation one night when i was there as well with um with a group of ghost hunters at the morris jamel mansion which is one of new york's oldest properties Actually, I'd love to do, I mention this all the time, but there's a place in Chelsea called the American Gangster Museum. And Al Capone, he actually had like dynamite in the walls. He had a speakeasy down below. And I'm thinking that would be an awesome, awesome investigation to go down there. And the history of New York's amazing, isn't it? Mm. Like the city of immigrants, it's where it all started. So you can imagine, especially... Mm. Outside, uh, where's Macaulay Culkin? He he stayed there, uh, that big hotel. Oh, There's a graveyard. Yeah. Pardon? There's a graveyard right outside, isn't there? You imagine all the people that passed through there. History. I did a couple of ghost tours when I was in New York as well, oh. so got to see you know, some great tales from uh, some some really good guides going down to the parts where the the Irish, the Italians, and the Chinese yeah sort of convergence of those particular neighbourhoods and. Uh, going around Greenwich Village. Oh, it, yeah, I, I desperately want to go back to New York. We're hoping to go next year and take the kids. I know it's a lot of walking and that, but I reckon I was a former, oh, you, you might not think this, but I reckon I was a former New Yorker because I seem to be able to find my way up and down and <laughs> in and out of everywhere. There's a place called Cutthroat Alley as well, isn't there, in Chinatown oh, where loads of people got slaughtered, yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, you could spend months there and never see everything. I mean, it's it's a superb place. Yeah, it's amazing. Mm. Oh, was there any TV shows or any apart from Ghostbusters, obviously, that that inspired your paranormal? <laughs> um, you know, when I was growing up, there really wasn't that much to choose from. Um, you know, it was I think you had In Search of with Leonard Nimoy, who used to play Doctor Spock. Um, and then you had Arthur C. Clarke's program. Um, yeah, it was and, Most and Haunted. Was most Haunted it was. really started at 2000 onwards. That's when the boom in paranormal reality television really started. Um, and I used to watch it at the beginning. Um, but then it, then something sort of dawned on me. Um, it was that time where um, it that's when things started to get really, really popular. Like pre-2000, there were about 150 ghost hunting groups in the UK. Yeah. Now there's 1,200. There was a show on telly on a Halloween that took the UK by storm. It was all fake. Do you remember what it was ghost called? Watch. Ghost Watch. Yep. And I remember watching that and I could not sleep all night thinking it was real. Oh, it was incredible. That I mean, in terms of what it did. But then that that was an influence on Most Haunted. Yeah. You know, you had Sarah Green, Michael Parkinson, um, you know, the incredible, you know, t- television presenters in that situation. Yeah. And that's what made it so real. 
Yeah. Well, in fact, Michael Parkinson was in it. You think, oh, this guy, he's yeah. got to be real if he's in it. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. But then I, I'm, I work in TV now in outside broadcasts and I work with a lot of people who used to work on like the most haunted lives. So it's interesting listening to their perspective on the shows. What would be your dream location if you could go anywhere to like investigate? Um, anywhere in the world. Anywhere in the world. I've been on the, uh, the, the RMS Queen Mary. <gasps> uh, and that was a stunning location. Nothing happened, but wherever I go, nothing does. Um, but that was that was a privilege to stay on there for 48 hours. Because what I did, I went to the, the Fan Fest in LA and I thought, well, while I'm there, I'll go down to RMS Queen Mary for two nights. So I, I thought did. it was hard. To, I thought they closed it during lockdown. That, well, 2019 when I went, obviously it was pre-pandemic. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then they obviously closed it. And I'm not sure whether it's actually opening back up as a hotel. I mean, I really hope it does because it, it's a superb location with so much nice? with it. Sorry? Have they kept it nice or is it deteriorating a little bit? Um, you know, they, they did, you know, it was showing its age, but that yeah. was part of the appeal. Yeah. And you the know, history it? of it as well. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see Alcatraz. I think that would be the one. Alcatraz, yeah, yeah, definitely. That would be amazing, wouldn't mm. it? Maybe yeah. stay overnight and do some. Mm. Well, I've had nearly, well, yeah, 15 minutes of your time, but I have to ask you just a few more questions, and this will be the favoritism question, if I may. Okay. Hi. Right. So now this is going to be so obvious. Who is your favorite? Peter, Egon, Winston, or Ray? Ray. Yeah, he's pretty cool, isn't he? I've got Dan Aykroyd's autograph from when I was 15. He, he replied to my letter. <laughs> it's up on my wall just over there. I keep Facebook stalking him. I do. <laughs> and I send him messages and that, and he doesn't reply. No. no. He's amazing. Is he interested in a paranormal talk? Very, know? yes. Yeah, I mean, it was... Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was uh, his family. Um, in fact, his dad wrote um, a really good book about, uh, about the paranormal. And... Um, they were very much into it from a, a psychic background, a psychic they used to have seances and spiritualist kind of things. So he grew up on a farmhouse thinking in Canada and he was very influenced by that from a young age. And he was a member of the American society for psychical research. And so, yeah, he did a lot of, a lot of the stuff that's in there is, is born from a genuine, genuine interest. Would you ever like to witness like you know like Ed and Lorraine Warren? They went on these great big things with exorcisms and mm. and um, like poltergeist activity. Is there anything that you can put under your belt that you've experienced like that or um, not yet? Not yet. I mean, I'm not one of these people. You know, when you see things like ghost adventures and they're screaming and running around, you know, if you're there to research it, you've got to be professional. Oh you've, yeah. You know, there's more to fear from the living than the dead. Um, yeah, that's what my nan used to say. So you know, you've just got to take it in your stride and document it. Remain calm and collected and document the data. Um, Would you be able to remain calm if something yeah. got <laughs> I, I've been in too many situations when I was in the police to, to be worried by anything like that. Yes, it's going to be unusual. The, the adrenaline is bound to, to be there, but you're there to do a job. And yeah. Yeah, you have to be professionally minded and just deal with it. But I, I've been in plenty of places and heard strange sounds but nothing that you would say that's paranormal just would not explainable like, at that point 
if there was a situation that occurred, would you be interested in like documenting that? Obviously, you'd oh, want to get in there and have, yeah, yeah, you know. But oh. to me, that there's a you know there's a way of you know documenting, and one of the things I'm particularly interested in is witness statements because how many how many investigators take statements from people who've witnessed anything and how they trained to do it is the other thing. So they trained in yeah. cognitive interviewing, um, all those kinds of, uh, those kinds of things. One but day yeah, to... you'll get that opportunity. You never mm. know. Yeah. That would be amazing to experience something like that. Wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely. Oh, what did you think of Bosworth then? Did you enjoy it? I thought it was a really good weekend. Um, great chance to, to network and meet lots of other people um and there were some fascinating speakers on um it was. it was interesting listening to you know the tennessee wraith chasers yeah um you know the, there was three things that they said that day which were like you know when you, you're listening to somebody you go ah oh, that's the golden nugget that will go perfectly somewhere in the research that i'm doing and there were three of those instances yeah. when they were talking the first one was the fact that um, they said that the production company wanted a Ghostbusters-like trap. Yeah. And it's like how Ghostbusters has influenced them or the production yeah. company to want to get something like that in the show. Um, yeah. That's, that was the one thing. The other thing they mentioned, they said they, they'd made an infrasound gun. Yeah. Um, which they hadn't. Um, I spoke to Steve Parsons about it afterwards, and he was like, no, they didn't make an infrasound gun. They just made something that made an air pressure pulse which is completely different. All you can do um, is record evidence, really, isn't yeah, there? That's yeah. all you can do. Um, and then there was one other thing, and it completely escapes me what it was. But, um, yeah, it was fascinating listening to that. Um, and, you know, just being able to be around lots of people who have a genuine interest in it and being able yeah. to talk to them and meet them, that that was great. So we're looking forward to, uh, to more. Yeah, is there any more? I mean, I keep looking, but I'm thinking that's the first one I've ever been to, that Festival of the Next Plane. And I would love, I, I'm hooked, and I would love to go to something else like that. I know there's a lot in America. Yeah, I mean, I'm going out to the States in just under four weeks to go to a couple of Paracons um, as part of the part of the research. But um, I think there will be another um, Festival of the Unexplained possibly next year. Um, yeah. The Haunted Antique Centre in Hinkley have just announced an event which is going on uh, on the 24th, 25th of September. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's at Bosworth Hotel for the first night. Um, and there's going to be a ghost hunt, I think. And then there's got a list of speakers on the Saturday. Have you been to the Haunted Antiques Research Centre? Sorry, We've I, stayed yeah. there overnight. You right. I went, I went the other week and had a meeting there with um, the guys who run Haunted Magazine. Uh, yeah. We had a really good chat. We spent about three hours just talking about stuff to do with it. Um, and I got asked to do one of the talks on the Saturday for the um, the event at Bosworth in September. So I'm going to be one of the guest speakers there. Awesome. Yeah, so that's something to look forward to. Gosh, it's exciting. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Wow. Uh, guys watching, if you want to check out some of Dylan's videos, he is on YouTube on Boo TV. Uh, also, is there? It's www.ghosthunter.co.uk for your Ghost Hunter website, isn't it? And the yeah. other one, the Great British is too, isn't there? Yeah, there's greatbritishghosttour.co.uk or yeah. greatamericangosttour.co.uk. And it's amazing. All you need to know about all locations and things like that, ghost hunting and white ladies go um, haunted 
bridges, haunted hotels, everything. It's all on there. It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. And we really appreciate it, Dylan. You've been amazing. Oh, Learned a lot from much. you. Thank and you. like I say, I'll send you a list of our events. And if you're ever free and you want to do a bit of studying with us and see how we work, um, watch me mess up the K2 meter and the <laughs> REM pod and... <laughs> No, I mean, you know, try and gather evidence. Uh, I say. No, but it, you know, <laughs> how we learn is by you know engaging with others, asking questions. Yeah. You know, if I don't know the answer to something, chances are I don't. Um, mm -hmm. But I know somebody who does. So yeah. if there's anything about equipment, you know, the books are available. You know, I've said it once. Get Ghostology. It's a really good Ghostology. book. It's a really good book for investigators. It explains everything. It doesn't tell you what to do it gives you all the information and lets you decide. Are you on the fence with the paranormal? Do you feel that, do you believe, or are you still- I'm open-minded. Open-minded. Yep. Is there some things that you just can't explain? That doesn't mean that they're paranormal, it just means we can't explain them yet. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. I mean, but the thing is to be open-minded and be critical, and yeah. ask questions and see what the data gives you. What does the evidence yeah. say? I don't um, really want to believe that when you're dead, you're dead, though. It'll be awful just to me. That's it. You're wiped out. Nothing. But then, you know, it's what, what I mean, one of the things, greatest achievements, you know, people say, oh, you, you've done like with LA. My greatest achievements, my son. Yeah. You know, that that's what's left behind. That yeah. legacy, the things that you do, the things that you leave behind. And if people remember you. Who knows what comes next? Energy can't just die, though, surely. We just turn into something else. I'd like to think that's that, it. anyway. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it's a it's a comforting feeling to think yeah. that that's what happens. Um, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, that question. Yeah. One day I'll find out. Hopefully yeah, not that's... just, hopefully not too soon. <laughs> I want to see at least four or five more Ghostbusters films in my life, if I can. Yeah, definitely. I would want to come back. I'd come back and scare the hell out of everyone just for the fun mm. of it. <laughs> I'm going to come back as an orb and annoy people. <laughs> I want people to draw a red circle around me. <laughs> so your face is floating around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, thank you very much, Dylan. And thank you guys for watching. And if you any anyone wants to go on one of our ghost hunts, we've got uh, paranormal co.uk just check out our website we've got a few down at the bottom there as you can see we've got a couple of sleepovers definitely recommend some of those yeah come and check us out and thank you very much dylan jones thank you. ciao for now bye bye, -bye.